Now, because we have been blessed with so many young families, so many kids, we want to be good stewards. We want to help you. We want to bless you, which is why uh, today we are launching uh, a series that will be intermittent. You're going to have a little bit here, a little bit there. Two weeks, we'll have part two. This is called God Parents. Okay, part one. We want you as parents to be blessed. We want your kids to be blessed. You say, wait, but I'm not a parent. Well, there's something for you here too, because this is going to show us how God parents us as his children. So there's plenty here, regardless of of whether you're a parent, whether you're not a parent, whether you're a religious person or not a religious person, lots of practical stuff here. God parents. Okay. So glad you're here for it. I want to ask this question. If you are a parent, do you want to raise successful kids? And if you do, that might backfire on you. What if What if everything that you and I have been told about maximizing our children's potential is wrong? Wouldn't you like to know? I would like to know. Now, the writings of Larry Osborne help perk up this this idea and spark many of the uh, inspirations for this message. So I want to give him a shout out. Now, in the early 1980s, the U.S. Army came up with an extraordinarily effective marketing piece that sort of changed the way that we think about parenting, the way that we think about living. So I'm going to show you a commercial that they ran. And um, I just want you to remember, this is from the early 80s. This was cool at the time. I was in high school during this. They did have televisions. Um, so I want you to watch it and see if you can pick out the parenting message uh, that messed us all up. Take a look. You're reaching deep inside you for things you've never known. It's been tough, rough going, but you haven't gone alone. We do more before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. Hey, First Sergeant. Good morning. You can do it in the Army. That's it. That's it. Did you, did you catch the message? It is not jump out of planes and slam coffee. Those are good things. Okay, the thing that so worked its way into our collective consciousness is that phrase. Be all that you can be. Right? maximizing potential for ourselves, for our children, has since become, at least to us, a sacred responsibility. If you don't do this, if you don't make all that you can out of of your life, out of the lives of your kids, you are failing miserably. But that sounds legit, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Be all you can be. Maximize your potential. Who could argue with that? But what if, as parents, maximizing the potential of our children is just one great big lie? Now, I can see some of you pulling back and going, oh, wait, wait. Look, if I don't maximize the potential of my child, I'm going to have a 40-year-old son living in the basement, eating my Doritos, playing video games. That is not, that. look, this is not what we 
want. That's not what we're talking about here. And, and we're in a church, so maybe some of you are thinking, could God possibly be pleased with someone who does not become all that he or she could be? That doesn't maximize their potential. Could God possibly be pleased with a person like that? Maybe. Maybe. We're gonna, that's what we're going to look at. Maybe. Maybe that's exactly what we're getting at. Think about it. Potential is a harsh taskmaster, right? You never actually get there. It is never satisfied. Nothing is ever enough. And if you make, and I make, maximizing our children's potential as the chief job of the parent, then you and I will be creating young people who grow up to be middle-aged people, who grow up to be old people, who are what? Self-centered. Think about it. It makes sense. It makes sense. If their entire childhood, if their young life is all about focusing on themselves and their potential and their gifts and their talents to where they focused on themselves, themselves, and you know what happens to adults who grow up learning how to focus on themselves. They become self-centered, hyper-competitive, jealous, dissatisfied, insecure, right? And tons and tons of pressure, right? Childhood anxiety is going through the roof. Isn't that crazy? The, the, the time in life when we should be free of that. And we can find all the things in the world that we could blame for childhood anxiety. We don't have control over all of those things. We have control over our home. And that being an anxiety-free zone. That's what we can do. So it, you don't have to be a church person to realize that people who, who struggle with this are some of the least satisfied, most unhappy people. And we don't want that for your kids. We don't want that for you. It doesn't matter how old you are or what you've been. But isn't that what God wants for each one of us? To, to be all that we can be, to maximize our potential, to really grow in all of those ways and accomplishments? That, that certainly sounds spiritual, doesn't it? It kind of sounds spiritual that God would want that. The problem is it's just not true. And I'm not making this up. We're going to go to his truth and take a look at it. God's best for you is not found there. God's perfect plan, his loftiest aspirations for you and your children is not found there. It is found on a very different road than the road of self-actualization and maximized potential. And it has everything to do with trust, service, self-denial, and love. And on the road to self-actualization and maximized potential, you and I and our children will never learn these things. And they are far more important, far more important. Your child's potential might be in, in grades, in athletics. Your, your potential might be in, in being creative, uh, sports or, or art or music. Or It doesn't matter. These are all good things until they're not. 
And when they're not is when they become the thing. When, when we and our children get deluded into thinking that this is what we were created to do, that this is our purpose, this is our identity, this is our destiny. You see, when these goals, when these gifts, when these talents, when these potentials become so important that they become our focus, our gauge for which whether we're wasting our lives or maximizing our lives, when these things become that, then changes must be made. Sacrifices must be made. You know this. We live this. Everything that does not align with me achieving this goal has got to be deprioritized. People, responsibilities, others, all of these things. Familiarity, activity within the church, a relationship, a thriving relationship with the God who has a perfect plan for their lives needs to be deprioritized. You know this, you know this. Everyone has got to fit around this dream, this goal. And at that moment, this goal, this potential has become a God. And that is when it's dangerous. That is when a good thing becomes a bad thing. So that's what we're going to, don't raise your child to be that person. Don't be that person yourself. We're going to look at two stories and then we're going to get super practical and see how you and I, either with our kids or in our own lives, can can really take positive steps to make sure that this is not happening. But first I want to ask this question. As I ask this of yourself, as I think about my dreams for my child or myself, are they focused on them maximizing their potential and achieving greatness or on something deeper and more important? Let me be honest with yourself because I'm not trying to out you. We're just going through this, right? Now, this question started way before that be all that you could be army commercial. In fact, we're going to take a look at how um, Jesus' closest friends were having this discussion uh, and this very question, okay? uh, I'm I'm pulling from uh, Luke chapter 9, starting verse 46. An argument arose among them. This is Jesus' posse, his disciples, as to which one of them was the greatest. But, but Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their, what? Hearts. Hearts. Remember that. We're going to get back to that. Took a child and put them by his side. And he said to them, Who, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is Great. The one who is least among you is the greatest. Be like a child. Now, some of you husbands are going, hey, hey, when my wife complains that I'm just like another one of her kids, maybe that's what Jesus wants. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's not what he's saying. But can't you see, can't you see this argument getting, getting going around the guys they are sitting there, they're trying to, you know, who's the greatest? And the hands go, I am, I am, I I did this, I did this, I did this. And can't you see Jesus just wandering quietly into the middle of them and going, guys, guys, I am, I am, that's my name. 
the great I am. There's only one pedestal. There is only one podium in your life. Who is on it? You or the great I am? That is a question that only you can answer. But there is only room for one. There is only room for one. And it is becoming lesser that becomes greater. We're going to raise our kids to do that. There's something about being a child. Something about being a child. So I want to read a passage for you um, from Hannah Whitehall Smith. Um, she wrote The Christian Secret of a Happy Life in 1870. Okay? If you do not read this book, you will be poorer for it. I've probably read it 10 times. I believe it is free on Kindle. Okay, on Amazon. Um, If not, it's like 99 cents. You owe it to yourself. It will rock your world, transform your life. Here she writes about children. Now, what are the characteristics of a little child? And how does it live? It lives by faith. And its chief characteristic is freedom from care. Its life is one long trust from year's end to year's end. It trusts its parents. It trusts its caretakers. It trusts its teachers. And this trust is abundantly answered. The child provides nothing for itself, and yet everything is provided. It takes no thought for tomorrow and forms no plans, and yet all its life is planned out for it. It finds its paths made ready, opening out as it comes to them day by day hour by hour. It goes in and out of his father's house with an unspeakable ease and abandonment, enjoying all the good things therein without having spent a penny in procuring them. Who is the best cared for in every household? Is it not the little children? And does not the least of all, the helpless baby, receive the largest blessing, the largest share of care? We all know that the baby toils not, neither does it spin, and yet it is fed and clothed and loved and rejoiced in more tenderly and passionately than the hardest worker among them all. This is the life of faith about which I am writing, and it consists in this, just being a child in the Father's house. Let the ways of childish faith and freedom from care, which so please you and win your hearts in your own little ones, teach you what should be your ways with God and leaving yourselves in his hands, learn to be literally careful for nothing and you shall find it to be a fact that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep as with a garrison your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, the riches that await you. But can't you picture the, the argument with the, with the boys? Like, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? You know who started that argument? I would, I'm willing to bet it was James and John. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because they previously hired their mom as their campaign manager. They did. They put their mom up to trying to get them ahead. I am not making this up. Take, the, take a look at the Gospel of Matthew. Right? Well, oh, here's the question. Are you trying to make your child or yourself great? And in the process, moving them farther and farther from true greatness. That's a question to us, right? So here's, here's the passage. 
from, from, from Matthew. And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee. That's James and John. And they named the husband so he's not like, you know, uh, dodging the blame too. Came up to him, Jesus, with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked Jesus for something. And he said, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Now, she was a helicopter parent 2,000 years before the helicopter was invented, right? She's hovering over her adult sons. She's going to, she's going to pave the way. She's going to clear the obstacles for, between them and greatness, right? She's going to get that. And the fact that the mom wanted this as much as her boys wanted this shows that she encouraged this. She fueled this. She planted this fire of desire in her children's hearts for greatness as a parent. Don't do that. But before, before we completely diss this biblical baby mama, we have to realize that what she is seeking for her, for her sons is greatness in heaven. What you and I seek for our kids and for ourselves is greatness on earth. That's far worse. That's far worse. So how does Jesus respond? Let's take a look. Jesus says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man, even as I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. There's the gospel. There's the gospel. Hey, if you're looking at comparative religion, all the religions of the world would have you sacrifice and give your life to God that you might maybe reach him one day. In Christianity, in following Jesus, you have a God who makes himself less, who sacrifices himself for you and for me, gets up underneath us so that he can reach us. Hmm? That's love. That's Jesus becoming the, the servant, right? The greatest being in all time, in all space, in all universe becomes the least and goes to the cross. For your sins, for my sins as our sacrifice, as our substitute in our place, um, paying the price of the guilt that he never had so that he could set us free. And then he rises again, that we might rise with him to this new life, that, that service and submission are what lead to greatness in his kingdom and, and in this world, becoming the servant. Let's get practical. You know, if you were with us about a month ago, we did a thing called um, Generous Joy, the Treasure Principle. And this is connected to that, if you remember that. Here it is. For our, here are the questions, right? It's not so bad that you and I want, want our children to be successful or want to be successful ourselves. Here's the question. So for how long do you want your child to be a success or do you want to be a success? This life or eternally? God is always and always about leading you into the greatest joy for the longest period of time. So answer this question carefully. And in whose eyes do you want your child or you to be a success? This culture's or in Christ's? That's, those are the questions we got to ask. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, five things that you and I can do, and then uh, we're going to go. Okay, we'll, we'll let God change us, and then we're going to go. Okay, five things. Number one, don't raise a winner. Raise a follower of Jesus. Don't raise a winner. Raise a follower of Jesus. How do I know 
whether I'm doing one or the other. Good question. Three ways. Look at your calendar. What do you prioritize? What through you do your children prioritize? Do you have them over over scheduled in things that you believe will make their life better at the expense of a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus who is their life. My sister buried her 21-year-old son a week ago. And as she ran her fingers through his hair in the casket, she was not thinking, gosh, I wish he had played that third sport. What do we prioritize? I will tell you this to my heartbreak and yours, that many high school and college students will take those years off from following Jesus because there are more important things for my life right now. And they never come back. My friends, there is never anything more important than following Jesus Christ. He is life. He is love. He is hope. He is your destiny. You can't move forward in any reasonable way leaving him behind. It does not happen. And if you are in that place, know that his heart is for you and he has not given up on you. So you look at the calendar. Look at the calendar. How do you describe your children to others, especially when your children are around? Take notice of this. Do you describe them as a star student, as a wonderful athlete, as a gifted artist or musician? Or do you talk about their love and their heart and their faith and their sacrifice and their service. What you celebrate, the what you, what you are most proud of, you talk most about. I met, there were 700 people at this funeral. They're all wanting to talk about their kids, what schools they were accepted in, what teams they made, their accomplishments. Don't let that be the main thing. What do you celebrate the most? What are you most proud of? What gets celebrated around your house? Is it the great grades? Is it um, the win? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this honor? Is it that accolade? Do you celebrate more a regular commitment to time with Jesus Christ, a robust prayer life, a sacrificial love shown to a disenfranchised and rejected classmate at the expense of their own reputation. You get more of what you celebrate. But I want to say that my kid is a blank, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to say. I don't care what letters they have after their name. I don't care that they have a bigger house than I do. Shame on me for collecting so much crap. You and I have a God who is calling us to say, there is life, but it's, it looks so different than the culture in which you're enmeshed. 
And I'm calling you out of it. I'm calling you to raise a generation whose hearts are for me. Okay, number two. Because you'd like this, each one can turn into a message in itself, and that's bad, right? Okay, two. The why is always more important than the what. If you're a note taker, take this down. I don't even know what you mean. Okay, good question. Here it is. Corinthians says, this is scripture. Would you say that first word? Whatever. Whatever. Whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Which means whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you decide to do. Do it for God's joy and, and, and making much of him and blessing others with his love. You do that. Then whatever you do is ministry. Whatever you do is wonderful. The why is always more important than the what. As long as it's not like immoral or, or, or illegal. Whatever you do. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that in scripture, Jesus never, ever, ever encounters a person and says, okay, here's the takeaway. I created you to be a carpenter or you must be a teacher or you must be a doctor or an accountant. You have to, that's why you're here. Do you notice he never says that? He says one thing over and over and over again, follow me. But what am I supposed to be? You're supposed to be his. And whatever you do, do it for his glory. And you'll be a hero. Does this mean your children's talents are not important? No. Hone those talents. Does that mean their giftings are not important? No. Refine those giftings, but don't let them become the main thing. Don't let them become the main thing. Okay. We got to move on. Um, Let's be clear that the superstar professional athlete who does this to make much of him or herself is far less in the eyes of God than the janitor who cleans the toilets in the locker room for the glory of God and the blessing of people. Your child, should they grow up to be a waiter or waitress who does this for the glory of God and the blessing of people is an ultimate success. The Fortune 100 CEO who does this to make much of him or herself is an eternal failure. We have to remember this. And this is the truth of what Jesus said. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. Raise our children with that in mind. God will raise up teachers and moms and doctors and nurses and lawyers and construction workers and athletes and accountants, electricians, social workers, business owners, plumbers and preachers. And they will all be in full-time ministry because their work will be worship, blessing people, alleviating suffering and spreading the love of Jesus Christ, whatever you do. The why is more important than the what. Celebrate that in your kids because we're so focused on the what and God isn't. Number three, teaching your child to chase 
their dreams is bad advice. Teaching your child to chase their dreams is bad advice. Many of you hate me right now. I know. It's okay. If your child's dream is not God's dream for them, it's a nightmare. It's going to lead them farther and farther from him. If your dream for yourself is not God's dream for you, it's a nightmare. Chase God's dream for you. God's dream for you. And God's dream for you is to glorify him and bless people. His dream for you will always be focused on making much of him and blessing others with his love. And if your dream doesn't have room for that, it's not his dream. Reject it. Look, we are broken people. So our dreams in and of themselves are broken. And we submit them to the one who dreams for us far greater things. Not just for this life, but for all eternity. Okay, number four. Develop value and celebrate your child's heart more than their body or their mind. Is that saying their body or their mind is unimportant? No. It's saying you have to celebrate and develop your child's heart more than body or mind. Why is that important? Because if their success is achieved in their body, physically, or with their mind, intellectually, or, or something, without the heart... They're a failure, right? But if the heart is submitted to God, right? If they have found from you a way to to really just get their heart so full of God that all they want to do is make much of him, all they want to do is please him, all they want to do is bless people, then he is going to take care of their, their occupation, their destiny, their purpose, their meaning in life. Heart first, mind and body after we don't always do this, right? Because mind and body seem like the things we got to develop. We got to develop. Celebrate your kid's heart. I know Christian parents, these two Christian parents, I know them very well, who, who place such a high premium on mind that when one of their children got one B, they did not speak to her for two weeks. That damaged the heart, which is more important than the mind that they were criticizing. If my parents parented that way, they wouldn't have talked to me for 16 years. <laughs> they still wouldn't be talking to me. Because there's a statute of limitations, right? <laughs> Develop value, but celebrate your child's heart more than their body or their mind. Number five, raise Jesus pleasers. Jesus pleasers. We don't obey Jesus. We don't please Jesus to earn his love. We try to please him because we already have it. It's in response to that. Not, not peer pleasers, not self pleasers, not popular culture pleasers. Raise Jesus pleasers, not coach. I just want this person to be proud. No. If Jesus is pleased, let the chips fall where they may. Not everybody is going to like you. Plenty of people want nothing to do with me because they know the God that I worship and the fact that that's okay. Still going to love him. Still going to try to serve him. Be a Jesus, please. I have not always done this. Our kids are not perfect, but our heavenly father is. And so there's hope. Jesus is not impressed with title, wealth, top status, worldly success, uh, first team, all state, what championship, medal, trophy, award, dominant power, prestige, maximize potential accolades. 
college acceptance into some elite place. What is Jesus impressed with? Faith, trust, love, sacrifice, mercy. Shouldn't we work at everything? Yes, with all your heart, as if unto the Lord. But do not, do not make the what, the point, the why, the for whom. That's the point. Raise Jesus, please. Be that parent. Our child played um, college football. And in so doing, I had the opportunity to witness something I've shared here with some of you before. But I will never forget it every day that I live. He had a group of friends. They were guys who prayed together and worked together and worked out together and played. And they were going into their senior year as starters, right? And one of his friends played a particular skill position. What he did not know in the summer before his senior year was that the college had recruited a phenom athlete who was a freshman at his position. And this freshman took his starting spot. This kid who lived with these men and prayed with these men and worked with, he was not going to participate in their senior season to go get the the division championship and all of that. He had some choices to make. He could become angry. He could become bitter. He could become vindictive. But he was a Christian. And Jesus had so softened his heart that he decided he was going to befriend this freshman. He was going to coach him up. He was going to pray for him and over him. He was going to take him under his wings and encourage him. The one who had taken the spot that he had worked for three years to take. And it's the final game of the season. And they're going for the championship. And it's the fourth quarter. And the game is on the line and the coach calls a timeout and the team huddles and the coach walks out there and the water boys walk out there and this senior walks out there from the sidelines behind the freshman who had taken his spot and drops to his knees behind him, takes his cleats and on this muddy, rainy Chicago afternoon, cleans the mud from his cleats with a tongue depressor so that he could perform at his best. Now the stands at that stadium may have erupted when the freshman made a great play, but my friends, heaven erupted in a standing ovation led by Jesus Christ when the senior knelt. Raise that kid. Be that person. That is greatness. And if the world falls silent, may the applause of heaven be more than enough.
why John the Baptist said this. Oh, forget that. <laughs> we blend right past that. He must increase, I must decrease. I have got to become less. Jesus has got to become more. That is so much more important than maximizing potential. A quick P.S., just as an encouragement, James and John, the guys that stirred all of this up, they were two of three of Jesus' closest friends. So here's the takeaway. Jesus doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to heal you. If we've parented that way, if we've lived that way, let him. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good parent. You love us more than we love ourselves, and we thank you for speaking truth from your word. Lord, um, here we have a lot of friends that, um, you know, Lord, there are times in our lives when we have, we have shouted that I am. I am the one. I am all that. And you are. We want to make that right. We want to repent of that. We confess that for our kids and for ourselves, uh, many times we would rather raise and be winners than followers. We repent of that. Lord, we want to repent of the times when the why has been less important than the what. That the title has been more important than the testimony. Lord, we want you to change us. Lord, we want to exchange our dreams for ourselves, for your dreams, for you and for others. Lord, we, we want to put our hearts above our minds and our bodies. We want all of that to be fully yours. And for the times that that they haven't been, we repent. And Lord, we want to be Jesus pleasers. We want to find greatness through service and faith and trust, not self-exaltation. And there are some here, Lord, who do not know the peace of, of being forgiven by you, of having you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there is any here that, that is in there, let them know that your arms are open wide and they can come home. Lord, for the children that are upstairs, for the children in our hearts, for the, for the families, and for all these lives, Lord, that we would lead them in you, submitting to you, and enjoying your reign in our lives. We love you. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.